Hey, everybody, welcome in to another episode of the Dynamic Dialogue Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Danny Matranga, and in today's episode, we're going to go over 10 mistakes that I think you should stop making with your nutrition in the new year. These are mistakes that I have made. These are mistakes that people often come to me looking to remedy when either they're looking to begin an online coaching relationship or they just have questions or comments. These are things that I see a lot. Certainly not something that I would say, um, I don't think we could get through the entire list of 10 without you running into a mistake you probably made yourself, uh, if not several. So I think this will be a really actionable, um, very, very relatable list of things that pretty much anybody can take with them into the new year to better understand nutrition, to better, you know, have a better relationship with food and nutrition in general, and to kind of stop falling victim to making the same mistakes. I'm able to bring you this podcast each and every week for free, thanks to my amazing sponsors, one of which is Seed Symbiotic. Seed is a phenomenal probiotic, prebiotic supplement that yields over 20 unique probiotic strains clinically proven to work in humans, not rodents, in humans. That's a really big deal. A lot of probiotic supplements on the market use strains that have been clinically proven to work in literature, sure, but not in humans. And this isn't just some run-of-the-mill, you know, random amalgamation of bacterial strains. This is a symbiotic that contains both pre- and probiotics clinically proven to propagate and seed in the gut. Bacteria are fragile, they're sensitive to heat, oxygen, light, and water, and they don't necessarily do well when they're mixed with just stomach acids or bile, which is why Seed's amazing capsulation system and how this actual probiotic supplement is delivered is pretty damn incredible. They use a dual capsule to protect those valuable microorganisms as they travel to their ultimate end destination through the gut and small intestine. The strain bait consists of probiotic strains with extensive mechanistic and clinical data generated at academic institutions and through research partners around the world. Seed selects strains based on robust clinical and mechanistic research and preserves the biologically active dose of each strain in the product, meaning you are getting the dosage shown to work in the literature each and every time you choose to seed. It's pretty damn cool stuff. Strains for skin, strains for nutrient absorption, strains for gut health, strains to enhance gut diversity in a 100% climate-friendly packaging that disappears and dissolves in water. The science of prebiotics demands precision. In collaboration with leading scientists and research partners from all around the world, Seed has developed a truly phenomenal probiotic supplement, and it's something that I have been taking every day with phenomenal results. I love it, I love it, I love it. And if you'd like to check out Seed, you can go to seed.com, check out using the promo code DANNY15, and save 15% off your first month's subscription. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into 10 nutritional habits or mistakes that you should stop making in 2022. So this first mistake that I think a lot of people make is worth talking about. And I think it's a nice extension of some of the discussions we've had on this podcast in the past about diet culture. And so the first habit or mistake is to stop dieting for no reason and stop living in a deficit for no reason. Uh, Why I think this is permeated so deeply into the public consciousness, particularly for women, is that we've worshipped thinness and we've worshipped, you know, eating paltry amounts of food uh, in the name of staying thin and staying small. And these are things that I see that this thing in particular 
I should say, uh, is much more prevalent with women, which is the desire to eat very little food or feeling like you need to eat very little food or always be dieting all the time. And I don't think that dieting is bad. I don't think that eating in a way that is structured so as to help you lose body fat or structured so that you're in a calorie deficit so you can lean up a little bit for an event or something that matters to you or maybe you just want to lose a little body fat because you know some of your health metrics might be improved by losing body fat. I think that there is absolutely appropriate times and measures to diet. And I hate the notion that I've seen really a lot lately, which is that, oh, diets don't work. No, they do work. Um, the problem is people have a hard time keeping the weight off because so many of the methods people use to lose weight and to diet are really, really what I would describe as um, aggressive and maybe a little bit unsustainable. But that doesn't mean that in general, diets don't work. In fact, I think most diets tend to work pretty well just in the short term. But a big problem I see uh, particularly amongst women and amongst some men, is the need or feeling the need to always be restricting your food or calorie intake, even when you're trying to perhaps build muscle or improve your exercise output or build a you know foundation of strength in the gym. Like Those are not necessarily times where dieting and being in a calorie deficit is a good idea, yet it seems to be still unbelievably prevalent for people to feel like they need to be restricting themselves. And so, again, if you're not actively preparing to lose body fat, like if it's not absolutely pertinent and you're not totally trying to do it, uh, please don't be dieting, especially if your goals are actually counterproductive, meaning like the, these two things are, are working directly in opposition. So like to diet would be counterproductive to your ultimate goals. So for example, a lot of girls or a lot of guys looking to build muscle, but feeling like they also need to be shredded and eat incredibly clean and end up being in a deficit, right? That is totally not the right place to be nutritionally for your goal. So in 2022, I would encourage you to stop dieting for no damn reason or to stop restricting for no damn reason. Be mindful of your food intake, sure. Eat an amount that's appropriate for you, but don't be overly restrictive and make food choices that are incredibly rigid for no specific reason, especially if these are just things that have been kind of passed along to you through diet culture, through a thin friend, through somebody who's in really good shape. You know, I think nutrition is a little more nuanced than that. And I think that nutrition is something that is very individualistic. It's very social. Um, and dieting for no reason at all is, is really silly, especially if you have fitness goals, health goals, or performance goals that would be substantially easier to achieve if you weren't chronically in a state of caloric restriction. Mistake number two to leave behind is stop thinking that the only thing that matters is macros. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Macros are incredibly important. Calories are going to be the primary driver of body fat reduction, and macros are going to be the primary driver of things like performance, body composition. You know, like if you eat the same amount of calories, but on one diet, you only eat carbs and fats, and on another diet, you eat the same amount of calories, but you eat a good amount of protein and then a balance of carbs and fats, your body composition and performance will be substantially different. So macros are really important. But if all you're doing with your nutrition is keeping an eye on your macros and you're doing that by, you know, maybe not paying much attention at all to your micronutrients, like your vitamins and your minerals, you're not paying much attention to getting any diversity in the diet. You're not paying much attention to things like fiber or even hydration. But instead, you've got this laser-focused goal 
goal of hitting these exact macros perfectly every single day, I think you're going to be missing quite a bit, specifically when it comes to your micronutrition and the diversity of your gut microbiome and your you know overall health and wellness across the lifespan. I think that having a little bit more of a zoomed out approach and also making considerations so that you get a good amount of vitamins and minerals and polyphenols and you're trying to stay away from overly processed foods, you know, I don't think in the long run, uh, or in the short term, it's necessarily a bad idea to, you know, maybe focus on the macros if it's a hundred percent body composition that you're focused on. Sure. But if all you're focusing on is the macros and you're not focusing on quality of life, balance, nutrient timing, nutrient quality, micros, water, fiber, uh, alcohol consumption, which we'll talk quite a bit about later, I think that you're going to miss out on quite a bit. So in the long run, you can definitely keep your macros you know, center stage, but leave some room to focus on some of the other stuff. I think that's a big mistake a lot of people make, which is you know, really, really deitizing macros as the end-all be-all, which of course, if body composition, like I said, is your primary goal with when it comes to nutrition, you're training to optimize muscle growth, you're training to optimize fat loss, or I should say dieting to optimize muscle growth, dieting to optimize fat loss, your macros are the most important thing you can do beyond monitoring your calories, sure, but it doesn't make the other shit completely worth ignoring. So please pay attention to that stuff too. And don't be the person who hits all of their macros with like protein shakes and cereal. Like God, I can tell you how many times I've tried to bulk when like 30% of my protein is coming from protein shakes and 30% of my carbohydrates are coming from like refined sugars and cereals. I feel so shitty all the time when I'm doing that. And I've done it before and I notice like, hold on a second. Maybe this is because I'm getting like none of these micronutrients because I'm overly reliant on some of these not so nutritious food options in a goal to only hit my macros. I'm not really even thinking about my micros. So just pay attention to that. Number three, stop following overly restrictive protocols if you have a very rigid, stressful life. So hear me out. In 2020, the world was flipped, turned upside down by COVID. Things have gotten crazy. I know a lot of people dealing with a lot of stress often. Um, whether this is, you know, adjusting to school closures, adjusting to adjustments in our lifestyles, adjustments to working from home. The last two years have, for some people, made things a little easier. For some people, made things a little harder. But people are still very busy, and life is becoming increasingly more and more busier uh, as we leave and transition out of the, let's call it, worst portions of the pandemic. I do think the pandemic is still serious. I do think it's something that should be taken very seriously. Sure. Um, but it does appear with the Omicron variant being substantially more transmissible and hopefully a little less dangerous, particularly with a large percentage of the population being vaccinated. Um, many states have resumed normal activity and even states like the state that I live in, California, that can be a little bit more on the restrictive end of things. Things are still returning to some semblance of normalcy. So I think that as we start doing more things and becoming busier and our lives resume, you know, the general, let's call it, tempo that they were at before, it's really hard to stick to super restrictive diets. And I think the other thing too is stress is was present throughout the entirety of the pandemic. And yes, it might be less stressful because we know a little bit more about things. You might feel a little bit safer. Um, but 
you know, having a lot on your plate is stressful. So trying to do a million things at once while following an incredibly restrictive dietary protocol is oftentimes a recipe for disaster and for burnout. And so things like the keto diet, the carnivore diet, and the vegan diet, no carb dieting, that are very rigid, the constraints are very rigid. You cannot have this, you cannot have that. You can only have this, you can only have that. These are nutritional approaches. I know that some people would argue that uh, veganism is more than a diet, that there's a, you know, let's call it an ideology there. That's fine. That's not my point. My point is that these diets that have very hard line constraints can be stressful when you have a lot on your plate. And maybe for a while, it was easy to be very restrictive and very rigid because you had more free time. Or maybe the stress of the pandemic, because a lot of people had substantially more stress, made it really hard and you gained a lot of weight. And as things get back to normal, and I have seen that the, the weight gain numbers from the last two years were pretty staggering. I, I think Statista had some, sh- somebody showed it. I think it was Dr. John Russin who came on the podcast a while ago during the pandemic. But he shared something about weight gain during the pandemic and it was startling. So I know a lot of people will be approaching the end of this or what feels like the end of this. And they're like, okay, I, I'm ready to reclaim my life. I'd like to lose a little bit of weight. And I'm also trying to re-engage with my social circles and get back to working in the office or get back to, you know, driving my kids to and from sports now that they can do that again. There's a ton of things going on. And jumping into a hyper-rigid and restrictive diet might not be the best thing to do, especially if you don't have an off-ramp. And so what do I mean when I say off-ramp? I mean, if you're going to follow a no-carb or hyper-low-carb or, you know, carnivore vegan diet, only in the name of losing body fat, how are you going to adjust when you've lost the fat you want to lose? How are you going to exit? You know, we don't really have a weight loss problem in this country. We have a weight regain problem in this country. Most people know how to lose weight. It's a harder thing to keep it off, especially when you get it off using something that's really extreme and hard to maintain when you're stressed. So in the new year, try to avoid following overly restrictive protocols when you're already stressed. I think that you can try ways that are a little bit less stressful, like maybe tracking calories and tracking protein and trying to eat mostly whole foods, Um, not really taking anything off the table, not being so rigid. That tends to work really well. Okay, here's an absolute need to fix mistake that I see getting made all too often. And this is out of all 10 on this list, guys. This is far and away the easiest one to fix. And this is get more water in. Stop, stop, stop allowing yourself to go through the entire day dehydrated. This is way too easy to mess up. You can literally solve your problem with not drinking enough water by starting off your day with a huge 16, 20 ounce glass of water. That's going to put you ahead. I cannot tell you how many people I know that start their day with coffee or start their day with pre-workout, dry scooping the pre-workout, by the way, so they get as little water in, in their body as possible. And it's fine. Look, I've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about using electrolyte supplements early in the morning to increase my hydration. I use LMNT's Recharge from Elemental Labs. It's amazing. You can try some for yourself if you want to increase, let's call it the hydration effect of the water by getting some sodium, potassium, and magnesium by going to drinklmnt.com slash coach Danny. And you can just get yourself a free sample of their eight most popular electrolyte flavors. They'll send them right to your door. Just pay shipping. They're awesome, right? I start my day with a big ass glass of water or a bottle of water and electrolytes because getting hydrated is critical. Hydration is vital for the health of your brain the contractility of your muscles, your heart health. It even helps with things like skin and having nice looking, you know, 
youthful skin. Being hydrated is really, really important, and it plays a role in all of our bodily systems. Hell, we're 70 plus percent water. And so being dehydrated in, you know, 2022, when we know all of the negative impacts of dehydration, to me is inexcusable. This is something I work a lot on with my clients at Core Coaching Method when they're sending in check-ins. One of the metrics that we review for our clients is their hydration. And I pay very close attention to that figure amongst all the other figures, but that is a figure that I always flag immediately. If a client gets me a check-in or two where dehydration or I'm seeing that body, you know, uh, water intake relative to percentage of total body weight, I'll talk about that in a minute and how you might set this up for yourself is low. I will always include in my responses to these check-ins, hey, we need to work on hydration this week. Hey, can we please do this? This is too easy not to be getting a perfect score on every week. Hey guys, just wanted to take a quick second to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And if you're finding value, it would mean the world to me if you would share it on your social media. Simply screenshot whatever platform you're listening to and share the episode to your Instagram story or share it to Facebook. But be sure to tag me so I can say thanks and we can chat it up about what you liked and how I can continue to improve. Thanks so much for supporting the podcast and enjoy the rest of the episode. So what are we aiming for with our clients? Well, we're aiming for about half your body weight in ounces of water per day. And you can do more than that. For me as a 195 pound male or 190 pound male now, I'm looking to get about 95 ounces of water per day. I will oftentimes do well above that. Whenever I go above that, I do though make sure that I add in electrolytes so that I can maintain my electrolyte fluid balance. That's really important. So moving to number five here is letting stress and busyness prevent you from eating. This is something that happens to me a lot. And this is actually going to be a feature on a future episode, which is fitness mistakes I still make after almost 10 years of doing this. Like I still make a ton of mistakes. Um, I'm not perfect. And part of why I'm able to connect with my clients and part of why some of the content I make resonates with you guys is because I don't pretend to be perfect. I'm very much fighting the fight alongside you guys. I get the opportunity and pleasure to work very closely with many of you to reach your fitness goals. And I think a lot of the time, some of the reasons I'm able to have such a good, you know, impact and, and help these protocols be so effective is because I'm living it. I'm, I'm just like you guys. I'm, I'm absolutely not perfect. Um, but this is a big one, a pitfall for me and a pitfall for a lot of my clients, which is letting stress and just being busy prevent you from eating. Now, if you follow a protocol that includes a fasting period or a time-restricted feeding window, meaning like I can't eat during these times, um, a more rigid constraint, that's probably going to be okay. And I think that's why some busy professionals seem to do particularly well with intermittent fasting, right? Because it actually kind of works with the busyness. But if you are going several hours a day without eating because you're super busy or you're super stressed, I think it would be very, very helpful to plan ahead so that this doesn't happen very often. Because I think that there are a few keystone nutritional habits that can really be beneficial for body weight regulation, longevity, health, etc. For example, we talked about hydration already. That's really important. Uh, getting regular protein intakes is important for weight loss, and, and I believe it's very important for muscle growth, right? Eating on a semi-regular schedule so that you stay nourished and you have energy to perform your daily tasks is seemingly obvious, but you know, a lot of people see their blood sugar plummet every day around the same time because they maybe they eat a breakfast or you know 
a, a late lunch and then, or a, a early lunch and they get to the midway point of their day and they just try to power through till the end and their blood sugar is dropping, they're tired, they don't have a lot of energy to pull from simply because they either haven't prepared enough or they're just busy or they don't eat throughout the middle of the day when, when shit hits the fan. And so having some things in your systems or, or having some systems in place, I should say, that can help you, whether that's having a protein shake on hand, having a couple pieces of fruit at work, having some nuts, um, it, you know, in the break room, where whatever your situation is, don't allow stress and busyness to keep you from eating, from hitting your calorie targets, from hitting your macro targets, from getting the food and fuel you need to perform, right? Because again, these large windows of not eating, especially during the day when people are working, I find that these can really lead to binges and huge episodes of overeating in the evening. I've worked with a lot of clients who have told me that they have a real problem when it comes to, oh, I eat really good for breakfast. And then sometimes I don't eat a lot at lunch at work because I'm so busy, especially the clients that we work with that are nurses. This happens a lot. It's very hard to break away, especially with everything that they've been dealing with in the pandemic um, or just the general stress of the profession. I think it's a good relatable example. And then when the shift ends and they get home, they haven't eaten in six, seven, eight hours, they go crazy. They just eat the whole fridge because the stress got too high the hunger got too high and they're just, by the time it all came down, it was just easier to overeat. And so having opportunities and systems in place to help you so that you don't go too long without a meal because of stress, because of busyness, if it was unintentional, can really, really be helpful. Number six, sticking with this, this tone of, you know, being mindful of how much you're eating and trying to have systems in place. Um, if your goal is fat loss, uh, the sixth tip I have for you is to stop the weekend binging um, or stop dieting Monday through Friday and then coming off diet Saturday and Sunday. If you want to create days of the week where you have a little bit more freedom, a little less rigidity, you might even do well to make sure that those days aren't weekends because oftentimes weekends include a lot of socialization, a lot of alcoholic beverage in, uh, intake, which can lead additionally to more overeating, right? Um, and I find that when you go back-to-back days like Saturday and Sunday, it gets even easier to get into the fuck it mindset. And that can be really dangerous if you're trying to maintain a deficit because you know, for most people, a 300 to 500 calorie a day deficit is going to be good for fat loss. And if you multiply that out over five days, Monday through Friday, that's between 1,500 and 2,500 calories. But it's not uncommon for people to easily overeat by 1,000 calories a day on the weekend if they're drinking alcohol, not paying attention, binging, etc. So you can do Monday through Friday dieting perfectly and then have two days of overeating on the weekend and basically be gaining and losing the same amount of weight forever. And so if this is a cycle that you have gotten into, I would strongly recommend trying to get out of it, especially if your goal is fat loss. Now, if your goal is just body maintenance or body weight maintenance, and maybe you want to increase performance, I think you have a little bit more leniency here. But one of the things you can do if you want to work in some periods of what I like to call food freedom or reduced rigidity during the week is, is you can maybe think about having like one weekend day where you're a little bit outside of your, your protocol, meaning like you allow yourself to eat at maintenance or close to it, and then one weekday, not back-to-back days. And for those of you who are resistance training on a regular basis, I would like time it up so that those days where you do go to maintenance or even a little above are before your heaviest or hardest training sessions, the day before or the day of your heaviest and hardest training sessions. Um, Number seven is 
be a little bit more honest about your alcohol consumption and look to limit your alcohol consumption. Um, I've talked about this on other podcasts before, not so much here. I will do an episode uh, on this podcast. Um, But look, alcohol is not good for you at all. It impacts your health directly and indirectly. There's really no benefit to drinking alcohol outside of the obvious, which is that it's often involved in our social settings. Like some Forms of alcohol, like wine, for example, might have some micronutrients, some antioxidants, and some polyphenols. But, you know, we can do a little bit better than, I think, justifying our alcohol consumption in the name like, oh, I'm getting some antioxidants. Come on. I, if you want to do this, just take some resveratrol. But here's the thing. It's not very good for you. And it's definitely not very good for you if you care about your health, performance, and fat loss. And I think that a lot of people have a hard time hearing that because it's so inextricably connected to how we behave and how we act societally. It's just so normalized. Alcohol consumption is so, so normalized. And so in the new year, if your goals are to improve your health, to improve your wellness, I would encourage you to try a couple different things. One, reduce your daily alcohol intake to less than one glass or less a night of your favorite beverage. So one alcoholic serving of uh, an evening, no more than that. If you're willing to take me up on a little bit more of a challenge, I would recommend trying a sober month. Uh, By the time you hear this, it'll be February. So you could try a sober February, meaning you go the entire month without drinking and tell me how you feel. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you got better results um, from doing something very simple, like just removing alcohol, better results in the gym, better results with your fat loss, better sleep, um, generally probably exposing yourself to less of the um, potential issues that can be associated with alcohol consumption. Again, nothing is purely guaranteed, like you don't drink alcohol and you're guaranteed to get breast cancer, but it will raise the rates, particularly in women. Drinking alcohol, you're not guaranteed to get liver problems, but it will increase the likelihood. You know, drinking less will uh, obviously decrease the correlation to some of these issues. Okay, number eight, quit half tracking your calories. So what do I mean by this? I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I'm counting my macros, I'm counting my macros, I'm counting my macros. You're not counting your macros unless you're counting and tracking everything you eat. If you're counting and tracking your macros every day till 2 or 3 p.m. and then you stop and you go, oh, I'll guesstimate the rest of the way, that's not tracking your macros. If you're tracking perfectly Monday through Friday and not tracking on the weekend, that's not tracking your macros. If you're using tracking as a tool to guide you to better support yourself nutritionally for fat loss, for muscle gain, for performance, whatever, track all the time and track consistently. Don't only track half the time. Very simple. That's all I have there. Number nine, make sure you're getting enough fiber. Fiber is unbelievably important. We talked a lot recently about how valuable it is for the gut microbiome and those good bugs that live in your tummy that they need that fiber to eat. That's what they need. Fiber can reduce cholesterol, right? For men and women, it's a range. I'd say women were looking for 20 to 25 grams of fiber a day. Men were looking for somewhere between 30 and 40. But fiber is really, really good for you. Like really good for you. In that one, we already talked a little bit about what it does for the gut microbiome, right? And yes, there's soluble fiber, which dissolves in water. And there's insoluble fiber, which does not. The soluble fiber is metabolized by the good bacteria, by the way. Um, And you can pretty much keep it simple and say like whole grains, vegetables, 
fruits, but you can also use things like resistant starch, which is things like potatoes or even rice that's been cooked and then cooled again um, to, to really increase the amount of food for the microbiomes in your gut, right? But fiber keeps you full. It helps regulate blood sugar. It can reduce cholesterol. The effect isn't huge, but it can reduce cholesterol. It can help with digestive regularity and reduce the risk of colorectal cancer. There's a lot of good reasons to eat your fiber. Um, the least of which is that it's good for the organisms in your gut, right? But this is something that not a lot of people do. So a greens supplement or a greens powder is a decent replacement for polyphenols, but it's not a decent replacement for dietary fiber, right? So if you're like, oh, I don't eat any fruits or vegetables, I'll just take a greens powder. Unless you're eating a lot of whole grains, legumes, and resistant starch, you're probably missing out. So aim to get a diversity uh, or a diverse array, I should say, of different fruits and different vegetables across the week that are going to be of different colors, different textures, different shapes, different sizes that will yield both a diversity of micronutrients, but also fiber for that gut microbiome. And the 10th diet mistake to leave behind in the new year is to stop accepting half-baked dietary advice from people who look good with no credentials. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not saying that you should get all of your dietary advice from people, you know, disregarding what they look like. I do think that the way people look is often a decent presentation of what they know, especially in the fitness industry, although that isn't always the case. Um, I do think that a lot of people get this half-baked advice from celebrities as well. And so staying away from that, trying to just avoid like, oh, this person's famous, so they obviously have a great diet. Or, oh, this person looks good, so they obviously have a great diet. Sometimes the best dietary advice comes from people who have a good scientific understanding of nutrition. They're not necessarily the most jacked. Um, and there are actually a lot of jacked, scientifically literate people who have great advice on both. So there you have it, guys. 10 diet mistakes to stop making in the new year. Number one is stop dieting and stop being in a deficit for no reason. Number two, think beyond the macros about micros, fiber, hydration, etc. Number three, if you're already stressed and you're already busy, Stop following incredibly rigid diets. Look for something more flexible. Number four, make sure you're hydrating. Please stop getting too little water. It's very simple fix. Number five, stop letting stressful, busy schedules, uh, uh, you know, from allowing you to go hours and hours without eating. That can be problematic. Number six, weekend binging. Don't allow that to limit the success you have if your goal specifically is fat loss or even health-related, weekend binging can be problematic. Number seven, reconsider your alcohol consumption habits. Number eight, if you're going to track your macros, track them well. Number nine, get enough dietary fiber. And number 10, be very, very particular about who you get your advice from. All right, you guys, thank you so much again for tuning in for another episode. Stay tuned for the next one. Got plenty coming your way. If you have not yet, leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. A written review is the best, and you can now leave a review on Spotify, which is absolutely amazing, especially if you're somebody who listens on both platforms. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Thanks for continuing to support the show by shopping through our amazing sponsors like Legion Athletics, promo code Danny, Seed, promo code Danny15, LMNT, which again, you can just go to shoplmnt.com slash coach Danny, get your electrolytes, and I will catch you on the next episode.